Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. So Daniel chapter 10, verses 1 through 19. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a message was revealed to Daniel, whose name was called Belteshazzar. The message was true, but the appointed time was long, and he understood the message and had understanding of the vision. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant food, no meat or wine came into my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all till three whole weeks were fulfilled. Now on the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, that is the Tigris, I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a certain man clothed in linen, whose waist was girded with gold of Uphaz. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning, his eyes like torches of fire, his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color, and the sound of his words like the voice of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw the vision, for the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them, so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision, and no strength remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty in me, and I retained no strength. Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. Suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia stood, withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Now I have come to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision refers to many days yet to come. When he had spoken such words to me, I turned my face toward the ground and became speechless. And suddenly, one having the likeness of the sons of men touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke, saying to him who stood before me, My Lord, because of the vision, my sorrows have overwhelmed me, and I have retained no strength. For how can this servant of my Lord talk with you, my Lord? As for me, no strength remains in me now, nor is any breath left in me. Then again, the one having the likeness of a man touched me and strengthened me. And he said, O man, greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading from his word this morning. You may be seated. So for we have been, for the past three months, considering the 
the book of Daniel. Um, we've considered then, as we've gone through it, the impact of his God. Okay, the impact of his God, specifically as it's worked out through then his life and through his writing. But again, ultimately, this is all about his God and what his God is doing through him. Um, as we've looked at this then, as we've considered this, we've seen in the very beginning from Daniel chapter 1 that Daniel began ministering, okay, at the beginning of Nebuchadnezzar's reign, okay? And so we have this span of his ministry, and we're told at the end of Daniel chapter 1 that Daniel continued ministering, the, the kings and the rulers, until the first year of Cyrus. Now what's fun about that as well is, as we've looked at this as well, um, we saw then that Cyrus issued a decree for the Jews to go back and to rebuild the, the temple. We talked about that, I think, last week, maybe. And, um, and so that Daniel is reading the prophets himself. So Daniel, a prophet, is reading the words of the prophets. That's kind of a fun thing. And so he understands um, that there's 70 years, but I think he also understands that Cyrus is the guy as well, because we see that in uh, Isaiah 44, verse 28, and then as well in 45, verse 1, that God, by name, decrees that Cyrus is going to be his shepherd. He is going to be the guy who's going to come, and he's going to allow the people to go and rebuild the temple, which is kind of fun from the perspective of, and this is an aside, when Isaiah gives a prophecy, there's still a what? A temple. So that ought to kind of wake them up a little bit to say what? What do you mean? Rebuild. rebuild. Yeah, that's exactly right. Ah, we got a problem. Jerusalem's going to be rebuilt and the temple foundations are going to be relayed. That means that, you know, so you'd think, wake up, smell the coffee, you know, but they didn't do that. So I believe, okay, conjecture, whatever, I believe it was Daniel who probably told Cyrus of the prophecies. And that's why Cyrus then fulfilled the prophecies because he read it. He saw Yahweh, the, this one true God, had declared about him. And so, and then Daniel, what? retires. I say retires because the beginning of this uh, chapter is when? When does, it, when does it start? In the what? The third year of Cyrus. So he continues ministering till the first year of Cyrus. So now he's in retirement. Isn't that kind of fun? He's in retirement, but he hasn't, so though he may be retirement from his government duties, he's not retired from the Lord. He's not retired as a prophet. He's not retired as far as seeking God's face. And as we, we're going to see in a moment, seeking God's face in a, in a very real way, okay? So as we come through this, the prophetic portions, the last five weeks, we've been looking at the prophetic portions. We've considered the four beasts, the ram and the goat, and then the 70 weeks. Before the 70 weeks, we considered the first part of Daniel 9, and we saw his prayer life again, right? So if there's a, a sub-theme that you, you see as we come through here, right? Daniel was thrown into the lion's den because he was praying, okay? And then when he gets the the... the the information regarding the 77s, he's been praying. Well, today we're going to get into this last portion of Daniel. And I say last portion because this last portion actually lasts three chapters long, okay? And so um, this is one long vision, one long prophecy that he's going to get, but it's actually broken up into two sections, okay? There is going to be the, the time of the Greeks, or the Persians and Greeks, and then secondly, it's the time of the, the, end, the end times. And so I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to your people in the latter times, okay? But the latter times is going to be broken up into two, okay? The latter, first latter time, and that's going to be the, what we've already seen in chapter 8 um, with the ram and the goat, and we've talked about uh, Antiochus Epiphanes, Antiochus IV Epiphanes. We're going to talk more about him next week, okay? 
So come with a bag lunch next week. I know it's, it's also covered as dinner, but you might want a bag lunch by the time you get over there. So anyways, um, we're, we're redoing the way the service is going to be orchestrated. It's Communion Sunday, so we're going to have communion at the end, but we're going to just sing a couple songs and I get up to teach. So seriously, come ready to write notes because we're flying through history next week, okay? It's going to be a lot of fun. So, because the greater portion of this starts at the end of chapter 10, all through chapter 11, okay? And it talks about the, the time of the, the latter time for the Israel when it comes to the, the Persians and the Greeks, primarily the Greeks, okay? We've seen a lot about the Greeks, which is really kind of fun. Again, Greek wasn't a blip on the map. God's given great detail about who, who these people are before they even exist as a, as a, a vibrant nation, okay? Um, and then we'll talk about the end times, chapter 12, um, in, then on Palm Sunday in a couple weeks, okay? So that's the plan, okay? And so that's where we're at there. So today we want to look at now these servants of God, okay? Because um, really the prologue for all this is what we're going to be looking at, the prologue of the prophecy, so verses 1 to 19 in chapter 10. And we're going to be seeing two different servants of God. First of all, we have the prophet of God, okay? Which I'm going to run through quickly because we know who it is. It's Belteshazzar, who is also known as Daniel. Or rather, it's who? Daniel, who's also known as Belteshazzar, right? Okay. But I think it's interesting that he starts it off with declaring himself as Belteshazzar and then says, but that his, his Hebrew name, Jewish name, was, um, was Daniel. Okay. Secondly, his location, he's beside the Tigris River. Now, um, Chuck and I were talking just a little bit beforehand about like the gold of Uphaz and stuff like that. I don't, there's some details I would love to go in further into and find out why we're given that detail but I don't know what it is, okay? I'm just going to be straight. So I, didn't, I chose not to take my time on why beside the Tigris River. Um, but there are two main rivers that come down through there. There's the Euphrates and the Tigris, okay? And so um, why he's by the great river Tigris and not Euphrates, um, I don't really want to go there right and conjecture things, okay? But that's where he's at. We're given details. Again, the importance of that is God gives us what? Details, okay? Details are important. Please just grab a hold of that, okay? And God, ha- you know, all Scripture is what? God breathed. It's inspired by God. It's given to us for a purpose, okay? And so he's not wasting words, okay? So, though I can't answer the question of why at this moment, I think there's a reason why he told me that he's, at the, he's at the, on the Tigris River. I don't know, okay? Um, other than, <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you why. So he's in retirement. I think it might be where they took the old people and they sent them by the river for the day. Anyways, <laughs> well... <laughs> Whatever. I, I laugh with Marsh. I said, because when he has this, you think about it, he has this vision, right? You got all these other people who are there in the geriatric ward, right? And they're, and they're, and they're, and they're looking at this guy, and he'll, he's like, and they go, oh, I got to get away from this guy. Anyways, so <laughs> we don't know what's happening to him. Anyways, so. But his situation, he's what? He's fasting. Now, this is important. This is coming into our week of prayer and fasting, okay? And so we've talked about fasting at different times, but I think it's interesting timing-wise how this plays out right now. But note his fasting. He's been fasting for how long? Three weeks, three full weeks. We're told three full weeks, not just, you know, partial weeks, but three full weeks, okay? Because a lot of times it plays out. But we're also told specifically how he's fasting. Remember I told you that fasting isn't always just necessarily not going without food or without water, but that, you know, the full fast is no food, no water, whatever type stuff. I don't recommend going out of water, okay? But if that's where God leads you, okay? But note what his fasting is. What is his fasting? He's not what? He's not eating pleasant food. 
Okay? So he's not eating delicacies or whatever, and he's not drinking what? Wine. He's eating bread and water, crackers and water, whatever you want to call it, unleavened bread and water, whatever. He's, got, he's on the jail fast, okay? And so, um, so when people talk about things, you know, I, again, a little aside, you know, people always talk about the Daniel, they're going to be on the Daniel diet, and they go back because they want to declare vegetarianism, and that's not the purpose of it in Daniel 1. We talked about that. Why don't they come here? That was a good Daniel diet, right? Uh, crackers and water, you know? And uh, for three whole weeks, and he's doing what? He's praying. So he sees it as a fast, a time where he is afflicting his body, okay, that he could have in his position the best of everything. But he's chosen not to have that for a reason. He wants to know the mind of God. I don't, he's not content yet. God has given him all these prophecies. He's in the prophecies coming through Nebuchadnezzar, but he still left what? Wondering, wanting more. He's anxious, you know? about all this. What, I mean, you've shown, shared with me all this stuff, but I want to know how it all plays out. So God's going to bless his socks off. He's going to give him another prophecy. In fact, a, a two-part two prophecy. But at the end, when we get to chapter 12, he's going to say what? But I'm not going to tell you what it all means. <laughs> I gave you more. You wanted more? I gave you more. But you're still not going to have what it means. You're going to seal it up to the time of the end because people aren't going to understand it even until the time of the end. Isn't that kind of fun stuff? Okay. So anyway, so we have the prophet. The second one we have is the messenger. This is the part where I spent a lot of time on and a lot of struggle with. I'm still struggling with. Okay. So I'm going to give you what I got. This is uh, in seminary. The, the guy who uh, started the church at Calvary Baptist in Lansdale, his name was E.R. Jordan. He's passed on now. But E.R. didn't, he didn't really care about outlines. I'm outline driven. Okay. So he and I were different. He would fill up his, his he just he said, this is how I preach, man. I fill up my, the dump truck and I come in and I dump it. And, 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 and so that's what I feel like right now. So it's going to be an outline, but I'm dumping my dump truck. Does that make sense? Okay, it's just kind of going to play out. So first of all, we have this description of this messenger, okay? And I'm referring to it as a messenger. We'll come to it in a second. So if you get your Bible, take a look at it, okay? Look at what it says about him, beginning of verse 5. He says, Daniel says, I lifted up my eyes, okay, because I saw this guy come, and behold a certain what? Man, okay? Now, in the Hebrew, it's echadish, okay? So echad... Um, is the word for one. So, hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Echad. Okay. So, echad means he's one. Okay. I, why they don't put a, why they said that certain? I don't know. But anyways, um, I saw one man. He wants us to know that he's seeing what one ish. And ish is literally a man. So, Adam. We're going to see the word Adam in here. Adam is like saying mankind. Okay. So, like Adam. Okay. Because mankind, God made Adam, made mankind. But an ish is a man. A man, okay? Um, well, actually, not like a man, man, but it's just a man, okay? Uh, a male, because we're going to get to the word gavar in a moment, and gavar is a man. Anyways, and so, like a strong man. And so, a woman, like my wife, my woman, is Isha, okay? And I'm her man, Ish, okay? So, this is important. What did Daniel see? A man. You get what we're talking? Okay? So, words are important, okay? So, he sees a man, okay? And, um, I don't know if I put them on your sermon note sheet, but you can look at Genesis 42, verse 11 and verse 13, Numbers chapter 13, verse 2, and there's countless others, but where the Ish um, Echad comes together, and it's always translated as one man, okay? Um, anyway, so we see this man. He's clothed in linen, okay? So he's got clothing on, and it's linen. Whose waist, so he has a waist. It was girded with gold of Ufaz. 
His body, so I see a body, it's like barrel. So again, remember the details here. His body is like what? Barrel, right? His face, he's got a face, and it's like the appearance, the mirror of lightning. Now what's fun about this is um, back earlier in verse 1, Daniel sees a vision, okay? It's the word mirror, and this is another one of these um, epiphanies this week. You know, I love Hebrew, I love Greek, I love all this, and there's still times when things go, I get it. Why didn't I get that before? Anyways, so um, Marae, okay, is actually Ra'ah, okay? I know that means nothing to you, okay? But Ra'ah is to see with your eyes. You, you, you see something. So Mit-Ra'ah is with seeing, with your eyes. So Marae is Mit-Ra'ah, it's with seeing. So he's seeing a vision, but he's seeing it with his eyes, do you get what I'm saying? We're going to see the word chazon in a little bit, and a chazon is a dream, vision, a dream. So it's not really seeing it with his eyes. He's just kind of envisioning something. But a mareh, is he's actually seeing something, okay? So, so the, his face, like a mareh of lightning, like he's seeing lightning, okay? So like when he saw his face, he really doesn't see his face because what's he see? A, a flat light. Do you ever see um, magnesium burn? Burns, you have? What's it look like, George? Very hot. What's the color? No rainbow. Bright. Brilliant. Yeah, just brilliant. Brilliant white. Um, we had a, a place near us growing up in the city. Why they were there in the city, I don't know. But they had a bunch of magnesium shavings that they would kind of throw out, and we'd kind of grab them and throw them into fires. and You know, it's kind of fun stuff. Anyways, um, but just a brilliant color. Okay, and it's kind of what I picture. This is just this brilliant light coming. His eyes were like torches of fire. So... So you got this like lightning kind of look, and then you see the eyes that are even what? Even more, okay? They're coming out, okay? And so his arms and his feet, he's got arms and feet. They're like burnished bronze, okay? In the sound of his words, Devar, like the voice of a multitude, okay? So what does he see? What's Daniel seeing? He's seeing a man. But he's seeing a man who's what? Pretty impressive, huh? Kind of get your attention. Kind of like, uh, this is a man, but he's not like, really like a man. Okay, we're going to come back to that, okay? So, description of his appearance, the effect of his presence, okay? So, what happens when, when, when he comes, okay, and Daniel sees this great vision, verse 8. So, again, verse, um, verse 7, I saw the vision, that's the merit again, okay? So, he's seeing it with his eyes. Verse 8, therefore, I was left alone when I saw this great vision, okay? So, all those words, visions along there are our word merit. Okay, and so when he sees it, he what? He has no strength, no choach. Remained in me, for my vigor was turned to frailty. Literally, that would be my honor was turned to destruction, into corruption. Think about who Daniel is. Okay, he was the, the second highest in the Babylonian kingdom for, for a period of time. Okay, when the, when the Persians came in, he should have been killed. Okay. I mean, because he was part of that, that process. But he was so respected that Cyrus makes him his counselor. Okay? And Darius the Mede, who is the governor over the Babylonian, makes him his. And so Darius the Mede, when, he, when he's all set up, right, is just in, in great turmoil that he's got to throw him, in, throw him into, the, uh, into the pit. So a very highly respected guy, uh, high up in the governorship, right? And so, so he's got all this glory that's about him. When he sees this messenger, his presence, his own presence, 
becomes like what? Like dung. Like it's just like, I am undone. I'm nobody. I am a nobody. And I think of Isaiah. When Isaiah is in the throne room of God, and he's able to see the, the Lord high and lifted up, right? And he says, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a people of unclean lips. So just the effect of his presence then just totally wipes out um, Daniel. And then now's the fun part. So who is this guy? Who is this individual? Is this an angel? Is this um, a mighty angel? Or is it maybe somebody else? So what does Daniel talk about with, with non non-earthly individuals. We'll start there, okay? So Daniel chapter 3, verse 25. I'm going to put them up here. I have them on your sermon note sheet, uh, the references, um, so we can go through them quickly, but they're on here, okay? So you can go through it. So Daniel chapter 3, verse 25, he says, Look, he, said, he answered, I see four men. This is Nebuchadnezzar speaking. I see four men, four men, loose, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. The very form in the form, so that from Rev from Ra'ah, the sight of them, okay, that he's seeing, is like, of the fourth, is like Dama, Demut, um, the son of God, okay? And you can see it's Bar Elohiv. So Bar, as, there's two ways to say son, Bar and Veen, okay? And I, I don't, can't tell you exactly. Gerard, can you, do you? Bar is Aramaic. Okay, Bar is just because it's Aramaic, okay. And Bar Elohiv, okay, like the son of God, okay? And so um, the, the concept here is that he sees a what? A man in there, right? But this isn't like any man. And so you can understand, so when it says uh, Bar Elohiv, it's the son of the gods, okay? So we read it as son of God because we're reading as Christians, you know, 2,000 years later, and we read it back into it, and we say this is Jesus because it's the son of God. Well, that's not necessarily how it plays out in the original language, okay? Could it be? 100% it could be. But what does he see? He sees a man, and he's not like any other man. He's like a, like a son of the gods. Make sense? So he's, he's, this is somebody special. But we're not told what that looks like. He, he doesn't explain to us what, what, that, what that looks like. Daniel chapter 4, verse 13, I saw in the visions of my head while on my bed, and there was a watcher, a holy one, coming down from heaven. If you remember when we went through that, that's the word ear. It's an Akkadian, I think, an Akkadian syllabic word um, that isn't translated. Um, in, even in the Septuagint, when they... When they translated the Hebrew into the Greek, the, the, the translators just left it as air, I-R, because there's no other word for it. And this week, another epiphany, I was thinking to myself, well, I was in the shower. I don't know what you think about when you're in the shower, but I was in the shower, and all of a sudden, ir-ach and ir-an came into my brain. And I went, ha, ah, ach, achad, ir-ach, the guardians of ach. You know, that, wow, so I wonder if ear is actually the guardian. Anyways, so just want you to know, it's still going on in my brain. I'm still processing all that stuff, trying to, I want to know who the ear and the earine are, okay? So it's just in my brain. So, but anyways, he saw a watcher, a holy one, but again, we're not given any what? Description of what the ear looked like, the earine looked like. Daniel 7, verse 13 and 14, I was watching in the night visions, and one like the son of man, bar Enosh, this time, okay? So Enosh is just, again, um, a man, okay, but it's not mankind, but it's a, a, a the male, okay, 
coming with the clouds of heaven, he came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. Well, we knew we, when we went through that, that this has to be this has to be Jesus, okay? We understand that from other prophecy, future prophecies, how this is being fulfilled, okay? And so Jesus at this moment is referred to as Bar Enosh, okay? And he's coming, but note that there's also a um, hierarchical of, of um, influence and power that happens here, okay? Because Jesus, okay, um, God the Son, comes to the Ancient of Days, who is who? God the Father, okay? And God the Father then gives him a what? A kingdom. Okay? So that's kind of a struggle when we think triunity of God, the Fa- God, you know, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. But we're told in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that there is a hierarchy that goes on. And so the head of man is Christ, but the head of Christ is God. Okay? There, there is this authoritative hierarchy that goes on. Okay? And so the, the, the ancient of days gives unto this one who is like the son of man, um, he gives him the kingdom, and his kingdom is going to be what? everlasting, okay? So we kind of see that, and we go, oh, okay, this is kind of cool, and, and I've got to kind of struggle. I hope, this, hope, I hope nothing else, just, I'm causing you to struggle with theology, okay? Sometimes we get fat, dumb, and happy, and say, oh, this is the way it is, this is what I grew up to be, you know, and, well, you know, that's what the Mormons do. They're coming to your door because they grew up Mormons, and they're going to just kind of mouth you what they've been told, okay? So you teenagers, um, young 20s, kids, okay, even you older ones, I want you to be, str- I want you to struggle with your theology, I want you to believe it because it's true, not because you always taught it. Do you understand? And, and, and to understand that God is bigger than your box. Okay? And, and so, so it's beyond all that. Okay? So I believe in the triunity of God, not because it makes sense to me, but because God's word declares it. Does it make sense? Okay? All right. So we got this guy. So we're not done, though. We got to look at some more. It's Daniel 8. Okay, we just came through this a couple weeks ago. Okay, longer portion. Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one, that's not Ichad uh, Ish, um, different, who was speaking, how long will the vision, Kazon, dream vision, okay, because they didn't see it, see it, be concerning the daily sacrifices in the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host be trampled underfoot. And he said to me, for 2,300 days, then the sanctuary will be cleansed. Then it happened when I, Daniel, had Ra'ah seen the dream, okay? So he's defining the fact it's not Merah, okay? This isn't I did it with my sight, but rather in my eyes behind the scenes, I'm what? Seeing a a dream. I'm seeing a vision of what God has given to me, okay? And I was seeking the meaning, and that suddenly there stood before me one having the appearance, now it's with my eyes, of a man, Gavar. And this is when I said to you, the, the man, the man. Because Gavar is the word for strength. So Gavriel, okay, or Gabriel, okay, is God is my strength, okay? That's what it literally means. And so, um, so a Gavar is a man, a strong man. It's talking about the strength of a man, okay? And so the appearance of a strong man, of a man. And I heard uh, Adam's voice, so a mankind's voice, a voice of a man, okay, between the banks of the river Ulai, who called and said, Gabriel, which I think is kind of fun too, just how the Gavar and then the Gabriel. Anyways, make this man understand the vision. So he came near where I stood. And when he, when he came, I was afraid and fell on my face. But he said to me, understand what? Son of man, Ben Adam. And we know Daniel's not who? 
Jesus. So you understand what I'm saying? I'm getting at, okay? Terms are important, okay? So we've got to be careful how we say, oh, this is that, this is that. Don't go there. You've got to look at it in context. That division refers to the end time. So what do we see here? Well, we see, again, we, this mighty one that's here, okay? There's a mighty one who's calling out to Gabriel to go do something. But we're never told necessarily who that mighty man is. You tracking with me? Okay. But that mighty man's given an order to one of the archangels to go do something. You tracking? Okay. All right. So Daniel 9, um, last week. Yes, while I was speaking in prayer, the man, Gabriel, oh man, now I got East Gabriel. How does this play out? Because I know Gabriel's what? He's an angel, but now he's calling a what? An Ish, a man, right? And so I have the man, Gabriel, whom I'd seen in the vision, Kazon, at the beginning, being caused to fly swiftly, reached me about the time of the evening off, and he informed me and talked with me and said, Oh, Daniel, I have now come forth to give you skill to understand. So now we have Gabriel, who is being sent, right? He's called a man, and he's being sent to give Daniel what? Understanding. So stop for a moment. Think Daniel, Daniel chapter 10. Okay, because that's where we're at. Who do you think it is so far? Right now, I'm thinking who? Sounds like Gabriel. You know, because he's an archangel, he's powerful, you know, he's a man of strength, he's coming, and, and he's given, he's tasked to do what? To give Daniel understanding and wisdom. We're not done yet, though. So now we want to go to the book of Revelation, okay? So I want you to open up Daniel chapter 10, have your eyes there, as we go through this portion here in Revelation 1, okay? And, and again, God has things kind of like laid out sometimes. And no, I don't understand this, but I'm just going to read it for what it is, okay? Revelation 1, beginning 10. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Stop for a moment. Who is that? Well, okay, you say Jesus because you're, you're thinking about 2,000 years later. If you were a Jew at that moment, who's the Alpha and Omega? Who's the beginning and the end? Speak literally. Somebody got it. Who was it? Yahweh, it's Yahweh, Yahweh, Isaiah chapter 40 to Isaiah chapter 48, very clear, all the way through those nine chapters, I am it, I am the first, I am the last, I am the one, there is no God before me, neither shall there ever be one after me, I am the Savior alone, I'm it, so I heard this trumpet voice kind of behind me saying, I'm the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, it's Yahweh, so I turned to look and to see, right, um, and he's saying to me, I'm Alpha, the Omega, the first and the last. What you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Two, then he says all the, the seven churches. So I, for space, I cut that. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, I saw one, one is not there, it's in the Talises, like the Son of Man, a likeness of, likeness of a Son of Man. Okay, And so this equates back to I saw, the, I saw one who is an appearance of a son of man. Make sense? Okay. Clothed with a garment down to his feet, girded about the chest with a golden band. So he's seeing a man, right? And he's, starting to, and he's going to talk talking about his, his bodily parts. Okay? His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like what? A flame of fire. Does that sound familiar? Okay. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace. Does that sound familiar? I mean, here it says what? His arms and his feet were like burnished bronze. Okay? Fine brass. His voice was as the sound of many waters. Does that sound familiar? 
He had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Sound pretty close? And when I saw him, I what? I fell as dead at his feet. What did Daniel do? But he laid his right hand on me. We haven't got to that part yet, but what does the messenger do with Daniel? As Chuck was reading it, he what? He touches him. He laid his right hand on me saying, do not be afraid. Hmm. He, puts his, he touches him and says what? Don't be afraid. Be strong. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and death. So now, who does it sound like it could be? Yeah, strong possibility that it's Yahweh incarnate. I say Yahweh incarnate because remember, and we're gonna, I'm going to say Jesus in a moment here, okay? But you know who Jesus is. Jesus is Yahweh incarnate. It's who he is. Remember John 8, verse 24. Unless you believe I am Yahweh, unless you believe I am I am, you will die in your sins. Ani Yahweh. I am, I am. Unless you believe that, you die in your sins. This is a struggle for me now. So I'm not, I'm not going to tell you this isn't a struggle for me. I've been holed up in my, my room a lot this week. Okay? Um, if this is Jesus, you got two questions. I have two questions. Why was he dispatched to give a message to Daniel? But even more importantly, how could he be blocked by, quote-unquote, the prince of Persia for 21 days? How does that play out? I'm glad you asked those questions. Let's talk about it. Because now we're going to get in. Oh, oh, before I get into it, yeah, I want to bring this part out. So just the, the frailty of Christ, okay? Matthew 4, 1 to 11. Um, anybody know what that's about? It's temptation in the wilderness. What, what did he do for those 40 days in the wilderness, Chuck? He fasted, okay, but, but, but what else? What, what else is happening? He was tempted, tempted. In Hebrews then, 4 tells me that he was tempted in every way such as I am, yet without sin, okay? And so in order to be tempted, there has to be the ability to what? Sin. Does that make you worried a little bit? Do you understand the fruit of the Spirit is when the Spirit is living inside you, it gives you the abilities that he has? Love. God is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, gentleness. Those are all godly things, isn't it? What's the ninth of the fruit of the Spirit, like the anchor of them all? Self-control. Self Only when the Holy Spirit is living and residing in you in a massive way will you ever have perfect self-control. And that's what God has. God has perfect self-control. Jesus, was on, while he was on the earth, had perfect self-control. He was perfectly tempted. He was tried, just as you are. He was tempted, just as you are. Yet he did it all without sin. He emptied himself. Philippians chapter 2 tells me, let this mind be in you is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very morphe, the very nature, the very form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he was God. He wasn't stealing for him to call himself God. He was God. Who being in the very nature, very form, the very morphe then of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, made himself of no reputation. He laid aside his power and made himself of no reputation, but took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. The likeness of men, the homoiomate of man, just like we saw in Revelation 1. And being found in fashion as a man, 
He humbled himself and became obedient even to the point of death. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him and given him the name that is above every name. No, I don't think it's Jesus. I think it's Yahweh. Because that is the name that is above all names. I think Jesus is special, but I think Jesus is Yahweh. That's who he is. And that the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. If you read again Isaiah 40 to 48, you're going to find out that Yahweh declares that every knee will bow to me. And I will not share my glory with another. But unto him every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, is Yahweh. Adonai, Yahweh, to the praise and glory of God. While he was on the earth, he humbled himself. He emptied himself. He allowed himself to be as a man, to be tempted, to be tried, to be, to be pressed. And so Romans chapter 9, declared, Paul declares that this is God in the flesh. 1 Timothy 3, I know that there's a debate that the New American Standard has one and stuff like that, and the New King James and King James talks about that God took on flesh. But this is the whole purpose, that God became flesh. Do you get it? We could go to John 1. There's so many passages that Yahweh became man. We'll talk about it more in just a second. Okay? So, Jesus came, when Jesus brings on the flesh, one I didn't put up here, I mentioned, I don't know if it was to who I talked to about this, I talked to a lot of people about this, but Jacob, who did Jacob wrestle with? Yahweh, did he? Was it the angel of Yahweh? The messenger of Yahweh? Who would have been who? Jesus, the personification. And who did Abraham see on the plains of Mamre? He saw Yahweh. He saw, he saw the, the manifestation, the earthly manifestation of Yahweh on the earth. He talked with Yahweh. Read Genesis 18. It's amazing stuff, okay? But there's Jacob. And Jacob's wrestling with this guy and, 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 and this angel, this whatever, right? I think it was Jesus, right? But whoever he's wrestling with can't overcome Jacob because Jacob's pretty what? Pretty strong for an old man. I won't tell you about how old he was, but he's, he's way old, okay? He got married when he was around 70 years old, okay? And so he's old, and he's still wrestling, and he's wrestling. And so whoever it is, if it's Jesus, angel, Yahweh, I mean, he touches his hip and puts it out of joint, and then he wins. He says, you got to let me go. Does it, I know this kind of make you struggle a little bit. Like, wow, like, this is really, you know? And so do you really, when Jesus comes to the earth, He places himself in your spot. And he deals with the struggles you deal with. He doesn't come as, well, I'm God. Hmm, and I have invisible, or this, or what do you call it? Uh, the, the shield. The, uh, yeah, not an invisibility shield, but just kind of a force field. Yeah, force field. I guess it's the easiest way to say I got this force field about me that you just can't touch me. It didn't happen that way. Even so, we could go to Luke 22. When, he, when, he's, when he's put on the cross, he tells him, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. I've been handed over to you. So we move in then. This interactions between the two. So those, that's kind of the introduction to them. But then we have this interaction between the two of them. And we're going to look at it from the perspective of the messenger. First of all, the messenger's explanation of why he's come. He's been what? Dispatched. And so, again, we have the question, how could he be dispatched? Well, very clearly we're told in God's word in Isaiah 48, so this is the culmination of Isaiah 40 to 48, right? Yahweh is speaking, okay? And then we could go back further and just show this even more, but you can see it even from this one verse, right? 
So he says, come near to me, hear this. I have not spoken in secret from the beginning. From the time that it was, I was there. What does it say in Titus? From time what? From time perpetual. In the, in the past, from time perpetual in the past. Same concept. From the time that it was, I was there. Who's speaking? It's Yahweh speaking. And now Adonai Yahweh and his Ruach have sent me. Do you get it? It's the triunity of God in the Old Testament. The, tri- the Trinity, the triunity, is not a New Testament proce- thought process. It's Old Testament. It's right there in Isaiah. Yahweh is speaking, and he says, Now Adonai Yahweh and his Ruach, his spirit, have sent me. So I've got there God the Son saying that God the Father and God the Spirit have what? Have sent me. Pretty cool stuff. It doesn't end there. We go to Zechariah, chapter 2. Okay? And we went through the book of Zechariah a couple years ago. If you were here, you get this part, right? So up, up, flee from the land of the north, says Yahweh. For I have spread you abroad like the four winds of heaven, says Yahweh. Up, Zion, escape you who dwell with the daughter of Babylon. For thus says Yahweh Sabaoth, the Lord of hosts, he sends me after glory to the nations. Wait, wait a second. Who's talking? Yahweh, Yahweh Sabaoth, Yahweh of the hosts, Yahweh of the armies. And he's saying what? He was what? Sent. And he sent me after glory to the nations which plunder you, for he who touches you touches the apple of his eye, for surely I will shake my hand against them, and they will become spoil for their servants. Then you will know that Yahweh Sabaoth has sent me. Whoa, this is kind of cool. Yahweh Sabaoth is saying Yahweh Sabaoth is sending him. Is this blowing your brain for a moment? It, I won't. There's a certain person, right, Gerald, that we know, Jehovah Witness, that you asked to read this. And, and they, they, you just ask them, tell me what it says. And they say, well, it sounds like Jehovah sending Jehovah. But that can't be. You read it. What is it saying so far? Yahweh sending who? Yahweh. And he says, so Yahweh Sabaoth. So then you'll know that Yahweh Sabaoth has sent me. Sing and rejoice, O daughter of Zion. For behold, I am coming and I will dwell in your what? Miss, now we're really knocking socks off, says Yahweh. Many nations will be joined to Yahweh in that day, and they shall become my people, and I will dwell in your midst. Then you will know that Yahweh Sabaoth has sent me to you. Hmm. Yahweh is going to come, and he's going to come incarnate, and he's going to live amongst his people. And you know what he did? And we're, he's going to do it again. That's what we're looking forward to. It's not this... this great prophet, this great teacher who's going to come. It's God himself. It's Yahweh incarnate who's going to live on the earth. He's going to take on. And when he does come, he allows himself to come in a weakened form. Can I explain it to you? No. I don't have a box big enough for God. If I had a box for God, I'd be bigger than God. But I'm just a what? A piece of clay. I'm just dirt and water mixed together that by God's grace he breathed the breath of life into. I can't even comprehend how I can see through my eyes. I mean, you can tell me all the different parts about it and how the light comes through, but it's dirt and water. Do you get it? The rest of me is dirt and water and it doesn't see everything. But why do these things see? Because God designed them that way. Why does my ears vibrate and, and it turns into understanding? I don't know all that kind of stuff. Such things are what, David says? Too wonderful for me. I, I, I'm just, the more and more I look at creation and stuff like that, I just, I am so astounded at my stupidity, my ignorance, and everything else. 
But how does, he, how does the eternal become finite? And how is he who's all-powerful become weak? I can't answer it. I want to. I want to stand there and say, well, and so God did such and such and such. But I can't do it. It's God. He is. And I think he does stuff just to cause us to be filled with wonder. And at this moment, honestly, straight up, I'm pretty filled with wonder. I had to stop studying. Because <laughs> I can't get any answers. I feel like Daniel. I'm undone. I'm just kind of like, a, I get it, God. You've shown me. This is kind of cool. My, uh, you know, or a Kazone, whatever you want to look at it. It's, it's not a Kazone, it's a Kazone. Anyways, so, uh, slight difference. And so, like, God, you, this, you're so cool. You share us with this stuff. And you overwhelm us with this stuff. And we know it's real because you prove it to us. But now I get this stuff I can't comprehend. I can't wrap my arms around it. I can't wrap my brain around it. My scientific, mathematical, computer science brain can't deal with this. It spins and 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 spins. There's, there's no indices for me. There's no place in my database. I just have to what? Accept it. So his delay. He says, so I, I was coming. From the moment you began to pray, from the moment you began to pray, I was sent to give you the answer. Wouldn't it be kind of cool if Jesus showed up to give you the answer to your prayers? He does. He does. We just take it for granted so many times. Isn't that kind of cool? Think about that. So many times we take things for granted. We take the Holy Spirit for granted. We take God the Son for granted. But from the moment you started praying, I was sent. But the prince of Persia withstood me for 21 days. How does it play out? We wrestle not against what? Flesh and blood. But we wrestle against um, principalities. Okay, this is in the Greek. So rulers, archos, okay? Against powers, exousia, that's authorities. Against the rulers of the darkness of the age. That's uh, kind of a fun one because this is like mighty ones, in the world, worldly mighty ones in, in darkness for eons, and against spiritual hosts, or against those who are being governed in the spirit, okay? And so the whole point of all this is that this isn't an earthly thing. Do you realize that right now there is a war going on in this room around us? Ain't no doubt in my mind. The word of God is being proclaimed. Do you think Satan's good with that? And so I don't know if it's distractions that are going on in your brain, I don't know if it's whatever, okay? But but I know there's a war going on. And even for me, feeling depleted even coming into this with allergies last night, and I, it was just awful. I went to bed at 9 last night, and I woke up at 7, and I, I, I would have liked to sleep for another couple hours. I'm just drained right now. You know, from, and like I said, it was just allergies. But I'm spiritual war. There's so many times I tell, I tell Mark, I just know spiritual war is going on right now. You know, I'm feeling depressed. I don't know why I'm depressed. It's just how it plays out. There's a war that's going on. Do you recognize that? Do you realize it? That you're fighting not against flesh and blood. It's not the individual who's going this. Again, Jesus on the cross, right? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. They're just, they're just acting as pawns in the hands of the devil right now, and they haven't got a clue on it. Do you realize you're just a piece of clay? The breath of life breathed into you, and you're a pawn too. Doesn't that sound awful? 
But we like to make ourselves more. Like, but I'm Bob. I'm Bob. Clearly, God understands that, you know, we give you a free will. But in the end, he's still the what? He's still the creator. He's still sovereign. He still rules over you. You don't rule over him. He doesn't come out of your little genie bottle to, to do whatever you ask him to do. Much rather, you're the one who should be coming out of the genie bottle whenever he rubs it. We kind of get it wrong sometimes. But there's this spiritual war that's going on. And I, do I understand this? Do I fully get it? No, I don't get it. And I understand this. Maybe this isn't Jesus. Maybe this is just an angel. Maybe this is a, a mighty one and a mighty one battling together, and maybe I can make, make that feel better in my brain. Make sense? If it's not Jesus, it makes it feel better in my brain because, you know, well, you know, it's just not somebody as powerful as Jesus. But again, that's not where I'm at in my, in my understanding of it. And so i got to struggle with this thing. So when Jesus, again, brings himself into the flesh, he allows there to be a what? A battle. For some reason, for his glory, in all things are for his glory, he allows there to be the battle. There had to be some thought process in Satan's mind that he could win if he could kill Jesus. Did you ever think about that? And did he know who Jesus was? Yes or no? All right. Somebody tell me how you know that Satan and the demons knew who Jesus were. Was. Sorry. The demons were. Anyways. Give me, give me something from the Bible. The guy was possessed. He had, was with Legion, right? I mean, it's a very simple one to go to. The Gadarenes, right? Or the Gergesenes, depending on which one of the Gospels you want to go to. And, and, the, and the, the, the guy was possessed with demon comes running up to him, Right? Jesus doesn't go out into the, into the cliffs and finds him. He comes out of the cliffs and he, and, he, and he falls down on his knees. On your knees, right? He falls on his knees in the presence of, of, of Jesus, right? And he says, what are we to do with thee, Jesus, thou son of God? Have you come to cast us into the pit before our time? They knew the authority that he had. They knew who he was. They knew his authority. And yet he was limited while he was on the earth. What just happened before he got to the, to the, to the Gadarenes, to the Gergesenes? What, what, what did they just come through? A storm. Just a little storm, right? Just a little. No, it's a huge storm. How do we know it's a huge storm? Because the fishermen who made their living on that lake, on, the, on that sea, right? They come and they think they're dying. And they wake Jesus up. He kind of looks at them like, you guys, little faith. Oh, you have little faith. And then he says, peace be still. And the waves and the winds subside. Sounds like great power. And yet he's still limited. Because Satan thought he could destroy Jesus in the storm. Do you get it? The war's going on. It wasn't just a, well, it just happened to be a storm that day. No! There's a spiritual war. And so that's why Jesus says, and this is your hour in the power of darkness. There's a war that's going on. There's a war that's going on for you in your prayer time. Satan wants you to be discouraged. Do you get it? He's trying to block answers to your prayer. Now, I'm not saying God's going to say yes to everything you pray. But you need to understand there's more going on than just you lifting up a prayer and the genie's coming out of the bottle to do what you want. 
And no, I don't have a slide at the end. I, have, I could add a slide in the end, and that is, what are you, how are you engaging in the spiritual war? I'm going to ask about your prayer life, but literally the spiritual war of it. We ought to be praying for one another. We ought to be praying prayerful coverings over one another. Ephesians 6 goes on to say in this, when it talks about the whole armor of God, it ends with what? Praying always with all prayer and supplication for all the saints. So army days, right? You build a foxhole. You don't have a hole coming this way. You actually take the dirt out and you throw it up and you make a parapet. And it's a two-man foxhole. I got a hole this way and I got a hole this way. I got dirt, dirt, dirt. And so the guy on the left side, he's looking on an angle that way. I'm on the right side. I'm looking on an angle this way because I'm picturing it. That's what exactly where I was at that moment. And so I'm, I'm on the right-hand side. And my job is to protect everybody down the right side. If I fail on my job, then the enemy comes in because they don't see the enemy coming in this way. I see the enemy coming in. My job is to take the enemy out. I need to be praying over everybody on that right side. Do you get it? He's praying over everybody on the left side. And if he falls asleep on his job, then everybody on the left side is open. Do you get it? There's a spiritual war going on. It's a battle big enough that even it, Jesus, maybe, in the Prince of Persia withstands him 21 days until Michael comes. And they kind of like play tag, you know, studio wrestling, you know, you're in. So Michael jumps in the ring and starts fighting the Prince of Persia. We'll talk about that a little bit more next week as we get into the prophecy itself, okay? But you got to understand, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. As we get into the prophecies, we're going to talk about flesh and blood a lot. We're going to talk about how things work out with the kings of the north and the kings of the south. But there's something bigger going on that's, that's through this whole process. So his duty, to make you understand what will happen to your people in the latter days. I don't have time to get into this, but clearly Jesus came to reveal the God the Father to us. Do you get it? That's, that's the whole goal. God desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Paul continually said, I would not have you be ignorant, brethren. That's the mind of Christ. I don't want you to be ignorant. That's why I mean, I, I, I know, I preach long, and I'm sorry, and maybe I get too detailed sometimes, and I'm sorry, I'm not really. And so, I, because I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren. Do you get it? God's word is true, and he's given it to us for a reason. And I don't want to get to heaven and find out that I wasted time. I want to redeem the time. I want the time that you're sitting here with me. And it's not all about Bob. It's not. It's about God and about the word that he's given to us. And as someone shared, I don't remember the other day, you have the same privilege. You have the same book. Oh, you, it was you yesterday. Um, you guys got the same Bible. You can download eSword. I mean, I understand. I, I went to seminary. I learned Greek. I learned Hebrew. I get all that, okay? I love it. But you have all the same tools that I have, Okay? You really do. I don't use books hardly anymore. Because I got my laptop. Everywhere I go, I got my laptop. I open up my laptop, and I'm, all my tools are there. And you can have the same tools. They're all free. 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 Do you get it? F-R-E-E. Free. doesn't cost you anything to study God's word. Although man has continued to try to put their copyrights on things and charge you for this and that. I paid 15 bucks for the New King James on... And then $15 for the New American Standard for you guys who have New American Standard, so I can keep looking at that New American Standard. The American Standard has always been bad. I don't know why you want a new one. Anyways, and so I hope a sanctified American Standard I might get. But anyways, so, um, so, but his duty to make you understand what will happen to your people in the last days, okay? His exhortations. Daniel, as we see this, 
is, is emptiness. This is an amazing thing. He was speechless. Now, get the, the whole realm of what's happening here, right? Uh, he has no speech. He's overwhelmed, right? He's sa- his strength is just totally sapped. And then his neshama, his neshama is knocked out of him. Do you guys ever fall and, and, and the breath is knocked out of you? How does it feel? Disturbing. Disturbing. <laughs> Disturbing. It's not good at all. For the Jew, though, for the Hebrew, the statement that's made here is huge. You cannot live without your neshama. There are two breaths. You have the neshama that's within you. But the minute you exhale, you've lost your neshama. You're going to die. Life is in the blood, but life is also in the breath. So the minute you exhale, you're done. Because you need, you need that in you. But God in his grace has provided the ruach, that's the breath from the outside, to replace the neshama that you've exhaled. And it becomes your neshama. His neshama was out of him at the presence of, in this vision that he's been given by this individual. What is it like for you when you come into the presence of God? Is it, is it, is it knocked the breath out of you? I am undone. I'm a worm. I'm filth. My righteousness is like a filthy rag. Do you get it? I mean, if I got what I deserved, well, I don't deserve this. You're right. You deserve a whole lot worse. If I got what I deserved, I'd be on the, 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 the ash heap. The word for hell that Jesus talks about is Gehenna. It's the Valley of Hinnom, the Hinnom Valley. It was their trash heap. It was the dump site. It's where the, they would put the, the, the feces, you know, because they didn't have like a, 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 a sewage system, right? So you take the, the city dump in the, in the, in the waste uh, processor, <laughs> okay, put them together. That was Gehenna. That was the Valley of Hinnom. That's where their dump was. I mean, every city's got to have a place that they have a dump. And so they take their feces out there, and they pick the, 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 the other stuff. Because remember, it's a city. You know, it's not like they get into you know, the outhouses and stuff like that, so they take it out. I mean, the sons are, but it's real. Did you ever think about that in books? They never really talk about people going to the bathroom. It's like, like people don't really don't go to the bathroom. And, and it's like, no, this is, I mean, it's a reality. I always think about G.A. Hinties. Anyways, whatever. It's like, it's okay. You went to the bathroom. It's a real thing. Anyways, and so they take this stuff and they put it out there. But when you get all the feces and you get all the, 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 um, and the, the trash and, and everything else and it's laying there, what happens with it? It stinks and it what? It rots. Decomposes. Think, think about a compost pile. Say it again, Curtis. It heats up. You have silo fires. And when you get a silo fire, it's a hot fire. What happens, Mr. Fireman, if there's a silo fire? Do you try to put it out? Say it again? You got to let it burn out. There ain't no putting it out. <laughs> it's not, well, that sounds exciting, doesn't it? That's what hell is. Where the fire never is quenched. It never goes out. His breath was knocked out of him. He realized at this moment who he was in the presence 
of who he is. And he was like, Isaiah, I'm undone. Are you undone? Well, the grace of God continues. We want to end with the grace of God here, right? Because now we have Daniel's encouragement. And I did it that way purposely because we say the word encouragement sometimes, but literally the word encouragement means to what? Put courage into. And that's exactly what this messenger of God, Jesus, probably, I think, does. He sees Daniel in this greatly beloved, twice we're told, greatly beloved, this greatly beloved of God, and he is undone. That's why he's, un, that's, I mean, honestly, I think that's why he's greatly beloved. <laughs> he understands who he is, this humility. And the messenger reaches down, and the first thing, he touches him. Again, Jesus, every time Jesus touched an unclean person, what happened? They became clean. His cleanness overwhelmed their uncleanness. Jesus, all-powerful, reaches down and he touches Daniel, and, and, and Daniel's weakness now becomes what? Strength. Sounds like 1 Corinthians chapter 1 to me. He chooses the weak things to confound the strong. And he touches them, and he, and he strengthens them, and then he gives them, oh, I, the touch of the messenger, sorry, and then the words of the messenger. And he gives them encouraging words, building them up words. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Shades of Joshua chapter 1. Be strong and of good courage. I know that what you've seen is disturbing because your people are going to be demolished. Not just once, <laughs> but a second time. And you've had the blessing, the privilege of knowing it. As you look to the future, we're going to talk about this next two weeks, right? As you look to the future, you can be kind of disturbed by this. But God wants you to be strong. To be strong. It's going to require you to be strong. The days ahead, if we're living in the end times, even if we're not, probably, the days ahead are going to require you to have great courage. That's God's command for you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. Not just once. But I want you to know, you need to be strong. So, in the end, what does your prayer life look like? Daniel's, clearly, was a man of prayer. We sing the song, Daniel was a man of prayer. He was, because he was. What does your prayer life look like? How earnest are you to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? Are you really, honestly, truly in awe of the presence of Yahweh? Do you have the peace and strength of the Lord, of Yahweh, in your life? So here's the next question, okay? Because I'm going to take together some of these questions. I'm going to put them together. So if your prayer life is dismal or non-existent and you do not have the peace and strength, do you see the connection? Is a light bulb going on? Because God wants to give you what? Peace and strength. But it's going to come through a relationship with him that's built upon prayer. Is there then a need to change the way you think and therefore change the way you act? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love. Thank you for your word. I thank you for, again, the testimony in the life of Daniel. And yet, Lord, I know he was just a man, and he failed you um, in ways that maybe not are recorded, but he was a man. And yet, he was greatly beloved by you. You set your affection upon him. Thank you for setting your affection upon us. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for us.
Thank you for, for adopting us to be a part of your family. Thank you for giving us the privilege of serving you, being ambassadors of your grace, to go forth with a message of reconciliation to those that are about us. Lord, I pray that you'd cause us to be faithful. Lord, that we wouldn't be earthly-minded, but rather that we would seek the things which are above, where Christ is, that we would desire those heavenly things, Lord, seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness. Not just so we can get treasures in heaven, although you've promised that, but that's selfish, just looking at it that way. But Lord, that you might be glorified. Oh, Father, be glorified. Help us to be strong and of good courage as we walk through this world that we might magnify you. In Christ's name, amen.